Um, it's going to take about 10 minutes or so here in a little bit. Um, and I wanted to read this for a couple reasons. And as we uh, dive in and as we look around, one is at the very end of the letter, it says, I command you or put you under oath before the Lord to have the letter read to all the brothers. And number two, it says, and we know this, the scripture is the base of everything we stand on. There is clearly enough in this letter to make you think, ponder, contemplate, but also process, join in, and act on its instructions. Before we read it, though, I do want to dig into a little bit of the context. Um, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser used to always say, context is king, because you can make you need to know what's happening in the Bible in the Old Testament. As we've talked so, so many other times, you can take a different verse and try to morph it into what you want it to say or what you want it to do. And that's not what we want to do here. We want it to stand on its own and we want to understand the context. I've used multiple commentaries and information from the IVP commentary, MacArthur, Wilson, uh, uh, Wearsby, and much more. 1 Thessalonians is listed, and as it starts off to, is it's to the Thessalonians. That's where it begins. It's to the people of Thessalonica. The church was established somewhere around 49 to 50 A.D. This was during Paul's second missionary trip and his journey, which was found, and as we talked about that in Sunday school, was found in Acts 17, 1 through 15. As you read through, is the first time that this church was built in its foundation. Silas and Timothy are mentioned in the letter as well, as they are with Paul at that time. So uh, right now we're going to show a picture of Thessalonica is up there, as you can see, and Macedonia up there towards the top. It's within the Anglican Sea, as you can tell. There's around 200,000 people in the city at this time. Uh, in context of today, that is the similar size of that of Salt Lake City, uh, Grand Rapids, or Tallahassee, Florida, home of the Florida State Seminoles, my favorite college football team. Never mind. Uh, but... Uh, it became to be known as the mother of all Macedonia. With all the activity of the political and also commercial movement of the city, it is uh, basically right there in the sea. Uh, it's a great place to, uh, to trade, great place for people to come in and move around. So there are a lot of people and a lot of people of power and also activity there. So... As we talk a little bit about Acts 17, 14, the building of the church, before we get into this letter, uh, on Paul's uh, establishment of the church, Paul would have usually, and it even says in Acts 17, he goes to the synagogue. He goes there because he knows that these people know the law, they know the Torah, and they're there. He's preaching Jesus through the Old Testament. And it's a beautiful thing. Paul used, and it even says this, Paul used Scripture to explain Christ and to explain that he had to suffer 
and that he had rose from the dead. This Jesus, as Paul will state, that I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And as you can see in Acts 17.4, it says this, Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number, uh, as a number of leading women. And the church was filled with God-fearers, those that were Gentiles that had worshipped at the synagogue but had been full, that hadn't been fully converted or had circumcised. But there were also prominent women, and these were likely the female Gentile God-fearers. They would have turned from idol worship in Acts 17, as well as a remnant of Messiah-believing Jewish Christians at that point. Now, as usual, Paul would have caused the ire of many people. Okay? He's there for three weeks to a month, and all of a sudden there's a riot. All right? People have started to work up. The Jewish people believed he was a false prophet. He was a false prophet. And because of this, and because he thought Jesus was the Messiah, they would he either had him exiled or put to death. Now, many Gentiles would have also thought Paul was going against Caesar. I also believe that some people were extremely upset that people were leaving the church or the synagogues because it does say that leading women uh, have left. And we talked about this about downstairs as the, the scripture talks about many men, but also talks about women. Women play a vital part into the ministry, but also leading women. One, you're seeing a synagogue that's upset that people are leaving the church and they're also taking their finances with them. And so when you're worried about numbers and money, you're worried about people leaving. And the thing is, is it, that it's sticking and people are starting to believe this. So there is the spiritual aspect, but there's also a physical aspect of what is going on here in Thessalonians. So, of course, as happens, not all were persuaded by Paul. And they helped to circulate a mob and went after Paul. And when the mob went and tried to find Paul, they didn't find him, but they found other people, and they imprisoned them, and Paul had to escape, and Paul had to get out. And it just doesn't stop there. Paul then continues his mission. He desperately cares for the church, but he also, wherever he goes, he just has to keep spreading the gospel. That's who he is. And so the people of Thessalonica are upset. So what do they do? They start following Paul to try to cause more issues for Paul. But as anyone would be, Paul was worried about the believers in Thessalonians. He cared about their faith and their well-being. So Paul had sent Timothy to find out about their situation and their well-being in the faith. And as you can see in this letter, when we read here in a couple minutes, then it's good news. Their faith is surviving even through suffering and persecution. Paul, just so you know, probably wrote these letters in Corinth around 50 to 51, with the second letter being written a couple months later after the first. And as we read this, there's going to be some things, some topics, some big things that Paul addresses, and I want to go through a few of those, and so you can sort of stick through them as we read it. 
One is thankfulness of giving up idol worship. You'll see that. There's also a talk of that of sexual morality, the need for purity. He also deals with discouragement. Paul wants to strengthen the persecuted church. He also deals with an issue of the now dead Christians to that of Christ's return. Helping new believers of the expectations. Multiple times he is encouraging to the church. He also discusses working hard and living and giving generously. Paul and the Thessalonian church suffer together for the service of Christ. He also deals with laziness. That of dealing with also when people were living that saying, if God's coming today or tomorrow, then why do I need to live now? I'll just do what I want to do. And he deals with that. He also deals with helping with the church work through issues. He's also pushing of the near coming of Christ, where people were dealing with issues, but not the issues that we really should deal with. Like to be ready always, not of how it might happen. So many times we start loving these conversations and we like dealing with like, hey, how's this going to happen? And how, how's Jesus going to come in this time? And these are all important questions. But so many times we deal with those questions, but we're not even living right now. We're not even living how we're supposed to be living. Paul talks about that as well. I do like how the Ivy puts it this, because uh, I do find this very important. Paul certainly wanted to express his thanksgiving and joy over Timothy's good report about the strength of the young faith. Paul wanted to tell them, all these face-to-face, since he had tried repeatedly to turn back to Thessalonica. But Satan had stopped him from what he was doing. That's in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Therefore, Paul wrote to address the problems and to complete the Thessalonians' faith with the general Christian instruction that was cut short in his visit there. Before Doug comes up and reads, the what is so interesting is, is Satan had stopped him from getting back there to check on the people because he cared so much. And what Satan thought was like a success, we get to read. Because he would have never wrote the letter if he would have got there. God works in ways that at the time we don't even fully understand or think. But what Satan had done to stop to Paul, we get the joy of reading it, the joy of, uh, of understanding the faith better. And what I love, too, is all the things that I listed, do you think that we don't need to hear those today? Do you not think that the church needs to understand how to do that today? We need to understand how to do that today? What a great opportunity to read and to understand that. The final things uh, that are some uh, navigating themes these are the last five navigating themes just to put in your mind, is one, it's the proper view of a healthy church will be discussed. That of how pastors and shepherds are to lead and be the church's future and where their hope should be and how the church is to proclaim the gospel. This book is that of love, holiness, and that of hope. So, We've done this on some Sunday nights, but I want the scripture to do what it does. 
Doug, as you come up, I'm going to begin to pray. But I just want you guys to read the scripture along. Doug's going to be reading the ESV, but just enjoy it. If it convicts you, let the Holy Spirit convict you. If it gives you peace, let it give you peace. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank you for the scripture. I thank you for the word. I thank you for this time together to read it together. And I, as Paul wrote it, I command you to read this, and I want to be obedient to the scripture. I want to be obedient to you, and I believe this church wants to be obedient to you. Thank you for Doug, for the time of practicing and reading, and may you be with him. But more importantly, may the Holy Spirit convict each one of us or direct us how we should be directed. May the Scripture guide us, not our own thoughts, not our own feelings, but may you, may you change us, may you affect us. In Jesus' name, amen. First Thessalonians, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to the all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God." to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you had become so very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct toward you believers 
For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with a great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing steadfast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know the instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. 
and to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every point of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So for this last part of the service, we're just going to worship and 
just reflect on um, the words that Doug said and um, just let the word speak for itself. You may feel conviction. You may feel a spirit of longing to be with God. But this is your moment. This is your chance for that opportunity. If you want to lift your hands, you can lift your hands. If you want to stand up, you can stand up. If you want to even come up to the altar, you can do that. This space right here is your freedom. Your freedom to do whatever you want. Whatever the Lord's leading you to, whatever the Lord's placed on your heart, you can do that. 